It has been two years since the trade galaxy was shaken to its core by the actions of a single, mismatched, multi-species crew. Whatever you think of the heroes of Yentao, also known as the Space Squad, one thing is certain. All eyes are watching for whatever they do next. A few days later, and the five of you are together again, standing in a clearing in the forests west of the city. It's a nice day. Spring has come. The trees are full and lush, and the sky is clear. It's a nice day to talk about the end of the universe. A shuttlecraft approaches. It's not a minnow, but rather a chromis second smallest of the trade galaxy's pisky hulls or fish-like ships. It lands in a rush of wind and, and blossom about 50 feet ahead of you. And then the airlock disengages and opens. Stepping out through it, almost clown car-esque, come a series of familiar faces. Z first, unfolding themselves with great effort. They immediately see the blossom in the air and kind of turn to follow it with their eyes. No! A little bit like a small child chasing pa a butterfly. Paige, no, I love that trope. She knows. Riding in Z's arms are Aya and Pima, the Turilli children. Just behind Z comes Septiva. Behind her, the Lady Zenith. Behind her, Lyra. And lastly one Dr. Marty Bonham. It feels oddly formal and a little bit like meeting the principal. Septiva is the first to come striding over to you. She looks a lot better than she had down in the watery tomb of her people. She holds herself with a serene confidence despite her colourful array of hastily tailored human clothes, including an impressively large wide-brimmed sun hat a lightweight blue jacket with holes poked in the sleeves for her fins, and a sheer wrap skirt that jumps and twists lightly in the springtime breeze. She bows her head and raises up her right wrist, and on it you can see the bulky but familiar outline of Marty Bonham's translator watch, which she activates. Thanks for meeting today, and for doing it here. I... And she looks over her shoulder at Z, who has opened their arms up to allow the two Turilli kids to flitter out and chase the blossom. And she says, I thought it was about past time that they got to see a real sun. I think you've all got a lot of questions. And I think you all feel a bit lost as to what to do next. I can't answer all your questions and I can't tell you how to win we certainly didn't figure it out but what I can tell you is that we did figure out the why and she shakes her head and says but even then I don't know if it's the full truth we knew of the marked but had never seen a mark on a newborn child not until me, 
my father, General Caelius, called for the lords. He who guides, and he who knows. They told him that one day I would be one of them. Only different. A warrior destined to protect the rest. An elemental. He had the sense to keep their words restricted to a select few, but I was a confident child, and my power came when I was still young enough not to understand the benefits of hiding, and soon it was rarer for people not to know of my power than it was for them to know it. That was when the World Eater came, the flaming puppeteer, able to twist good people to his will and make them destroy the very homes they had wanted to protect. My father sent me away, but wherever I went, the war followed. My father tried to ignore the pattern, but it became clearer and clearer that the World Eater was hunting me, and it quickly became impossible to ignore the price of my survival. My father begged for the advice of the lords, but they didn't come, or they didn't hear him. They stopped visiting us near the start of the war, when Grum first fell. We were left on our own, and people were frightened. And frightened people are capable of terrible things. My father tried to hide me. I fought with him. We said awful things to one another. And then Lord Theresial came. I'd never met one of the lords before. He looked small, shattered. His trident was broken. I don't know if I would describe what he did as saving me. I feel robbed, not saved. But I, I think he died so I could be here. And I know that I'm a part of the why. The why this is all happening. But I don't know any more than that. And she looks at you, Lorelei, and she says, Did you, did you see anything? You have his mark on your hand. I don't know if he would leave bones or anything like that. I don't know... He's not, he's different, but his, his trident, it would be a terrible weapon in the wrong hands. Did you see it? We, um, saw it in the visions that led us to you, but it wasn't there with you. And with that, we're going to jump into a very quick flashback. Oh. Some 18 days before horn heists and refugee resettlements, Lorelei Wide Wanderer and Tali Goldenhorn were flying through the dark hand in hand. The overlapping glow of their bioluminescent markings flooded ancient walls with mottled silver and orange light, catching pale on wet stone and black water. The tunnel was cold, but something small and cautious and warm was building in the space between you, one tentative word at a time. Lorelei, Tali has suddenly yanked you to a stop. Her grip on your hand tight enough that it almost hurts. And she says, Is that a hand? A 
ahead of you, the tunnel terminates abruptly into a jagged mess of fallen stone and turbulent water. Can I take a perception check? Bafflingly, that's a nat one. <gasps> that's the lowest I can get other than a 16. <laughs> well, I guess we're going to have to undo the events of the past few weeks. <laughs> can I get advantage with Tali's help action? It's okay, Lorelei, because I think you're distracted. Not by Tali, although she is distracting. This is distracting, this whole uncertain balance between you. What is distracting you is the sudden whine in your ears and the burning itch on the back of your marked hand. And Tali pulls you with her until you are close enough that you can't help but see that there is, in fact, a hand. You can see it poking through the rubble just above the waterline. It's a strange hand, long and webbed and covered in blue-black skin. And Tali reaches out, but it's like she can't touch it. She just, her hand falls through it instead or slides away and she makes a small noise of frustration. Uh, I think not even really looking at Tali or paying attention to anything around her. Lorelei takes her non-marked hand, grabs the hand in like a full like Blood Brothers, like predator handshake grip and pulls. As you do, the back of your hand sears as a new mark is emblazoned there and the hand in yours goes from cold and still to squeezing back. Seconds later, as you're lifting the person you would later know as Septiva between you, Lorelei, as you make to turn back with your precious cargo, there's a second where in that rubble, just ahead of it, standing on the water, you see a silvery silhouette. His body is battered but his eyes are fierce. And for a second, it's like he's looking right at you. And then he turns and strides away into the rock face, dragging a broken trident behind him. And then we return to the present. And Sepsiva says, In our time, we never found a way to fight him. But in our time, we couldn't go to where it started. Grum was out of reach, lost to the World Eater from the very first day of the war. But that's not the case here. Or at least, it's not yet. I understand from my brief time in your world that there is bad blood with the the new people of Grum, um, the, the Apelta. But the uh, opportunity... That Grum, or as you call it, Anatar, presents is... It would be foolish to pass it up. I still don't really know any of, any of you. I don't know how ready this world is for what's coming. But I believe that it was you five that found me for a reason. So... It's you that I ask. Will you go to Grum and find out what happened? 
before. Lorelei steps forward and is like, Yes, I don't see that we have much choice. I'm still quite fond of this galaxy. I don't think I'm done with it yet. Uh, I'll go. I'm going to look over at Corral. Everyone turns their heads and looks at Corral. <laughs> don't all look at Corral at <laughs> yeah, the same time. Yeah, that would be terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's just the two of you doing it already. <laughs> Corral is looking pensive, <laughs> to put it mildly. And you can see their feet sort of twitching on the ground. They're sort of trying to step forward. I would like to use message or sending. I always get them confused to sort of say to Corral, I was by your side at the end of the world once before. I will be again. But I don't think this is it. We can do this. Corral doesn't immediately respond through the message, but does... Their head was sort of downward, but does turn to you, and you hear the message back. I trust your judgment. One more thing before Corel says anything out loud, Paige. Yes? Corel, since since that last escapade, have been thinking on certain words that they saw written in a book. Oh god, yes. Is it possible that Septiva is the woman at the end of the world? I think listening and looking at Septiva, this solemn young woman who's still only just past girlhood, listening to her describe how the world ended, listening to her describe her part in it to the best of her knowledge, I think you reach inside yourself to the power that sleeps inside you. And you know, logically, that your powers all resonate with the realm of the gods, with the pantheon and with the spirits and beings who reside there or who once resided there. And I think inside that power, maybe there are threads or echoes of the one who had it last. And I think with that role, listening to Septiva, looking at her, feeling that, I think that for a moment you consider it, is this the woman at the end of the world? And then, strangely, for a second, looking at Septiva, you feel an intense pang of guilt, which is not your own. Just knowing that's there pisses Corel off. I've been on record that this is one place that I would really not want to go but the irresistible force appears to have met the unmovable object in this case we got to go all of us it won't work otherwise well yeah I guess there's not much else to do yeah let's stay here and not save the universe when do we start Okay, so, Lorelei. I think I would have said goodbye to the kids in person before. So I think a couple of hours before, I just sort of sat down with them and was like, I know I've been in and out already. And 
you actually probably don't know me that well, but I do care about you and I'm going to do everything in my power to be back and make sure you have everything you need. Aya, the older of the two, says, just make sure you come back. And then Pima says, are you going to stop stop him? We're going to do everything we can. And they hug you. I hug them. I'm guessing they're probably both almost as tall as me or small? Small. Smaller than you. They're very, really a tiny. So I give them both a big hug and like do the Araswati thing that I will have taught them of like putting the flat of your nose against each other. And I say, okay, so be good. But remember, if you're uncomfortable, tell someone and they will listen to you. And give them both like a little nudge in the head with her nose just to make sure they know that they have power here. They're not, they don't just have to get swept up in it all. Then once we're down waiting for the hover cab, I step to the side and bring my grandmother up on my comms. She answers and just goes, Sweetling, how are you? Um, I'm just about to leave. Ah. For, uh, and I just wanted to check in about the, the, how the information vault is going. All at once, the kind of jovial air drops away and your grandmother is serious as she so rarely is. And she says, I wouldn't have trusted you with this if I didn't think that would be the case. But also, keep well, Grandma. Look after everyone. Let yourself be looked after. And I'll hopefully see you soon. And Lorelei angles her head down and, like, bumps the hologram screen. Corral, do you want to say your goodbyes? Yeah, I think Tamal first. I think I would have met up with Tamal. I think I would do my goodbyes in person. Um, yeah, probably just like at the bakery. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, you're in the kitchens of Tamal's treats, and it's just been like the lunch rush has just died down, and it's the two of you like probably doing the dishes or something in the kitchen. Corel's been sort of trying to pretend like they're not having to do the goodbye today. <laughs> But, uh... Tamal looks at you sidelong and just goes, Ah, is this where you are emotionally constipated about saying goodbye to your friend Tamal? Yeah, yeah, I suppose it is. Good to know we're friends. So, yes, I really don't know when or if I'm going to be back. Just to be blunt on the subject. That's okay. You'll be back. I know you guys. If I don't, if, I know I will, but if I'm not, and Krell goes, dries their hands and goes into their messenger bag and pulls out a small drive. This 
you know, just in my spare time, just as before you know, heading off, I have been compiling a set of notes about the last few years. And, you know, I don't want that just to end with me. I can write an anthropological paper, but I think you can tell the story better. Jamal dries his hands and then takes it and tucks it into the pocket of his apron and says, I appreciate your trust, girl. It is not misplaced. <laughs> Humble brag. <laughs> <laughs> Let this poor nervous man have one thing. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's just funny. Um... Grell sort of just takes off the things. Well, got a couple of other things to do before we head off, so work well, Tamal. And Tamal bows his head and says, Work well, Corral. Where's Ulyal? You find Ulyal down in Sansa's observation chamber. It's quite quiet today, so it's just you and him. You want to... What? I want to go into the chamber and talk to her. Talk. I'm not expecting a conversation. All right. And I don't say that lightly. I do not know what will happen. I don't I don't think I've ever heard of an, a worker interacting with a young queen well that's what we're here for isn't it to do the things that haven't been done before or just haven't been done in a very long time Ilya nods and then um, with a deep frown etched on his face he takes you over to the access port which is a circular door and he opens it and he gestures for you to head in and he obviously will follow you uh, inside, she immediately, like, hisses and turns towards you. She, like, crawls along the ground, her spines raised, her red eyes, like, bloody and scarlet. Next to you, Uliol, like, kind of bends his head, and you can see, like, the quills, because que the, the queens and the suitors are the only Apelton casts to have these quills on their head, these neural spines. You can see his kind of rattling gently, and his little uh, light-up markings on his black backplates um, flash, and Sansa kind of looks towards them and then quiets a little bit. Krell starts walking towards them slowly, and does start talking, as they do. Okay. She stays low and quiet for now. I've told myself I'm not afraid of you, but I need to prove that to myself before I go to what to things I, I'm much more afraid of. I need to know I'm not afraid of you. She growls and looks up at you. Do you continue your approach? I do. She starts to rise. Behind you, Uliol makes like an aborted sound as she rears up. Already, she's over twice your height. Corel looks up and cl closes her eyes for a moment. I do not fear you. I do not hate you. You are my sister of the new colony. You and I are equals. 
she's still hissing, but it's kind of like a throbbing, quiet sound. Could you roll me insight? 25. Corel, she's scared of you. My voice, which was more panicked and trying to hold nerve, shifts a little more gently. You are my sister and my equal. You have a great place in the future of the new colony. I know that. And while there will be a certain, certain responsibility, how you handle that responsibility will be your choice. That's the important bit. Choice is the important bit. As you're speaking, she slowly starts to sink back down onto her legs, like all of them, until she's your height. She doesn't come to you. She doesn't speak. She only looks at you, sidelong with two enormous red eyes, for long seconds. And then she blinks and scuttles away. Grail exhales and turns round. Ulial is staring at you. Grail stares back, to be perfectly honest. And then he says, You know, I think we can do this. Yes, we can. I will have called my parents just to check in. Obviously, Rosemary knows what's going on with the end of the universe and everything else. Yep. Um, obviously, we all know that the end of the universe is happening, but I think there's not really much you can say about that. And it's just a kind of, just a, the same as the weekly calls, but they have to promise not to watch the end of the pottery show until I get back. Very cute. I am, however, going to message Nani. Ah, this is your best friend from when you were training to be a medinir. So your university friend, basically. Yeah, and who was at the Loella concert. Yes, who was dating Loella. Yes. You've been friends with Nani for a very long time. Yes. Sometimes she gets very excited. And for your own sanity and for your safety while on missions, you mute your conversation with her. She knows this. She's okay with it. <laughs> However, you open your conversation with Nanu. Um, Faraday, she's messaged you a lot. Oh no, how, how much is a lot? Maybe 20 times. Initially, it's like blind rage. I can't believe this is happening. Okay, I scroll back up to the top. I should have known. <laughs> I scroll up to the top so I can read it in chronological order. The first message says... I'm going out today with Luella. It's going to be really cute and scenic. We'll send pics. I'll buy you a shirt. The next message is from six hours later and it just says, me and Luella broke up. <gasps> oh dear. What's the vibe at the last message? Does it say why? It doesn't say why. You get the vibe from it that Nanu doesn't really understand why. Like She seems to be saying that Luella made up some kind of bullshit reason. Mm. Nanu is pissed. Nanu is really pissed. She's like, it's bullshit. 
she she likes trying to be all sad about it. She's breaking up with me. And she'd even say like she's like, oh I can't, I'm sorry, I can't be with you. Like that's such a crock of shit. Nani and then over time the messages have calmed down and Nani's like, I'm sorry that I messaged you so much about my breakup. <laughs> it wasn't very mature of me. Um I will I will message her, I think, rather than call. She's busy. I'm just saying no, don't apologize. Um, I've only just checked. That's really bad luck. I'm so sorry. She doesn't know what she had. Angry face. Angry face. Angry face. Nani says, I've calmed down a lot about it since it happened. Um, I still don't really understand why. I thought it was going really well. Um, thank you. You deserve someone who sees how awesome you are. On that note, Something's happening. I can't tell you what it is. I would tell you to go and get somewhere safe. And that Dr. Malcolm is on the jellyfish and that might be a good place to go. But I know you. And you were the best of us and more stubborn than me. So go to the jellyfish and find him. But go and make something brilliant. Because we're going to need it. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. He can probably fill in some more at the gaps, but you know what he's like. Okay. Well, I could do with a break from what I'm doing at the moment anyway, so okay. I'll um go see our old, old Dr. Malcolm. <laughs> Does he still wear the leopard print shoes? Oh, you know he still wears the leopard print shoes. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Stay safe. I'm going to turn to Jeannie before we leave and take out an envelope. Here are four tickets to Astro World. They're for you, Vemi and Alara, and someone else, though, I would recommend Nanu. She's going through a bit of a rough time right now. And Jeannie takes them and then mock whispers, Do you mean the breakup? Yeah. Yeah, she... I got it from Luella as well. It's messy. Do you know why? Uh, Luella was like really cut up about it really sad like she really liked her she wouldn't tell me why hmm. interesting anyway go to Astro World. go and eat candy floss and you know go and throw up on the big roller coasters or whatever Faz I'm not 14 but I will have a good time eating candy floss and throwing up on the roller coaster <laughs> <laughs> and I look forward to hearing what chaos you've been up to when I get back you know me. It won't be much. No, I do know you. And I can't wait for the rest of the world to see you as I do. Very cute. I'm done now. Now that you've destroyed Al, I have to talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> you've committed an emotional murder. <laughs> an emotional crime. Okay. That's me. I am an emotional crime. No, you're not. You're an emotional joy. <laughs> You can be both. Okay. First person I'm going to call is Dana DeCall. Oh, my God. Uh, she answers by saying, Dana DeCall, the Raven Report. Oh, Mitchell! Yes. <laughs> Hello, Dana. It's me. To what do I owe the pleasure? Um, how are you, first of all? I'm good. How are you? Yeah. Oh, it's, I'm okay. Um, I... I wanted to call 
because I'm going off on another wild adventure. Um, you know me, life of a you know savior of the galaxy and all all that all that stuff, and it's a big one. Uh, I didn't, and I don't really know how long it's going to take or how dangerous it could be. And I wanted to call you because I haven't made many friends and you are one of the few people I have grown close to. And I just wanted to say thank you. I haven't forgotten hanging out on the beach together and uh, just bonding together in a way I hadn't done with anyone for a very long time. And I really value your friendship and really value you and I, you know I wanted you to know that Mitchell yes I am very glad to call you my friend I'm very glad to call you my friend as well and I look forward to being in an old fogey's home with you <laughs> Shooting the shit. <laughs> Dana, I love you. Yes. I am. Ride or die? I found the term on a classic Earth forum. Exactly. It's perfect. Stay safe. Or as safe as an extremely cool hero could be. See you soon. This is Dana. Signing off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love her so oh, much. She's very good. Always a treat. Linda Barnes is there in person with me. Yeah, uh, yeah. Linda Barnes is there yeah. in person. Where do you meet up? Um, bubble tea. And I think we've been talking about other stuff for a while, just kind of hanging out. And then I sort of worked up to like the um, the goodbye part of things. Yeah. And I say, um, well, Linda, this. Uh, Grand adventure I'm going on. I don't know how dangerous it's going to be or how long it'll go on for. And I don't know if I'm going to come back. And so I wanted to tell you that I have spoken to Tasha Khalid and to one of my old friends, inverted commas, could call him a rival, you know. And I've decided to rejoin what as i think as one of their teachers and that means that they can bring you back sort out all of the re-entry identity stuff that they do i've never been very good at bureaucracy all i know is that they can sort it out and get you back in the world again and yeah i i wanted to let you know um, in case I don't make it back to tell you. And if I don't make it back, then go talk to them and they'll they'll sort it all out. And, um, yeah. Are, are you actually serious? Yes. Yes, I am. And this isn't like... This isn't you, like, being all... I'm sacrificing myself for my friend. It would sound noble if that was the case, I, I'm sure. But in truth, I genuinely feel I'm getting old. And it's been a wild blast flying around the galaxy with you the past few years. But uh, I can't do that forever. 
I can't do this adventuring forever, to be honest. I don't really tell Sherp or Faraday or any of the others this, but I, it's difficult to do it now. I have this power, which, which I can use to see the truth of things, but it takes out far more of a toll on me than I think they know. And uh, I want to belong to something again that isn't just flying around the galaxy willy-nilly. It's not something I can keep doing. But there is, yes, a part of it that I want you to have a life again. And it is not particularly difficult for me to look past some very old anger at an organization which I think has done a lot of good and can do again with the right people. Which... And she just, she hugs you. Oh! Thank you. Thank you so much. I have known you for a very, very long time. Longer than any of those uh, adorable little misfits on the, on the, of the space squad. And I, I, I have never, I, I've never understood like, all of the like romantic and relationship stuff. But I do know that on whatever platonic level or just a friendship level, like I love you, Lina. I love you with all of my heart and I want you to be able to live your life to the fullest. And that's the, that's the truth. And I hold their hands and I say, I wanted you to know because sometimes things go unspoken. I love you. A great deal, as as family, as friends, whatever. Lina squeezes your hands in hers, and she says, "I love you as whatever, too." Okay, Mitch. Okay. I'll see you soon, Captain. I'll see you soon. My heart. How am I supposed to follow this up? All of this. Hi, Shona. You fucks. How dare you be good at role playing? <laughs> you see why I was limbering up, right? How dare you fucks be good at role-playing? <laughs> right. Anyway, I think I said Prisha and Nara, but I think I want to at least just message Tesh. Not like a full conversation, but just kind of message saying, going to be go going to be gone for a while somewhere. Maybe dangerous. If. I think I write if and then like a long ellipsis. If. Ellipsis. We don't meet again. It was great to have known you, and I hope you and your kids have a great future. So I think Prisha is at the camp. So it's like her and Nara. So I'm speaking to Nara. Basically, I've given her like, I think we talked before, like recordings and pictures and all this kind of thing. I think I've also told her if we're away for too long or there's confirmation of anything, I've drafted a social media post to go out revealing who Synthrhythm really is. <gasps> I post that I do not know what would say, but it's like very like elaborate and being like, I ultimately think this would be a good move for proving the validity of AI and their rights and their place in the galaxy. I'm sorry for lying all this time, but please understand why I did oh all, all that kind of thing. And probably like a nice little sign off song that only gets posted if that happens. 
What's the time limit that you give? No reason. Yeah, I yeah I know. I basically had you a time bomb here. Um, like, oh, oh, you said to go out in five weeks. Oh, you've been away for six weeks. <laughs> how how wild? I just, I just a wild DM. I, I just do wacky five things. Five weeks in a day. Five weeks in a, <laughs> a year and a day. See, it's probably be a few months. Let's let's give let's give six months just as a little bit of a oh. Six months. <laughs> that was not intentional. I swear. <laughs> right. So that's that's Manara, and then I'm like, you know, like a, a conversation with Prisha. Pretty like on that like overlook, like the one where we were where we saw the fireball, because it's like it's quite nice and secluded over there, and it looks nice and scenic. Was there like a bench there or anything? Yeah, the trees here are strung with like lights. There are some benches. It's like a park area is what it's becoming, like a woodland park. Okay. I try to like choose to see that's like as far away from anyone else as possible. Because I still wanted to, you know. And like I take her hands and I say, this never gets easier every time I do it. Because I think about the first time... One of us had to leave and how long it was before we saw each other again and how the honesty still like, feels like fucking random chance. Where I'm going, I mean, everywhere I've been recently has been a bit dangerous, but this is going to be a degree more dangerous. So, oh, this is always hard. Oh, God. I love you, obviously. But sometimes the obvious things don't always get said, like... So this is me saying it, very obviously. I love you too, Slurp. We've had a strange relationship, but I'm proud of where we are, and I look forward to seeing you again soon. Your hover cab slows as the whaler looms through the trees. Even without the iconic harpoon that give a Pelton ships their nickname, she's an intimidating sight. Your cab lands about 50 feet from the whaler's prow. The ship stands on three stubby legs with a ramp extended from its belly. Standing on the ramp, waiting for you, is Yorowal, the suitor who came as the Empire's representative to the dinner you held with the galaxy's great powers. He is dressed in his people's finery. Silks, bangles, onyx jewellery. And as you depart the hover cab, he bows and says... Our ship is not exactly um, meant to accommodate this many um, people, but we'll make do. It's a pleasure to fly with you all. And beside him, Mawasek just stares at you and then nods once and goes, mm. and he turns and climbs up the ramp into the whaler. Do you follow him? Yes. 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 <laughs> No, I'll stay here. Krell reaches out for Faraday. Just they they're not they need a little physical support even with all this. I will loop my arm through Corell's and we can go together. Aww. Excellent. Oh, and for the record, Corell is wearing the helmet. But <laughs> of course. But less less out of fear and more at this moment out of defiance. Lorelei waits and takes out her communicator just as she, before she steps on the ramp, makes a group chat with Damini and Tali. Oh, God. <laughs> um, types Ooh. out, Hi, Tali. I'm going to be off the radar for a while. I've given Damini your number. Don't do anything stupid. 
hit send and then leaves the group chat. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking mic drop. Damn. The five of you, plus Bugsy, climb up the ramp into the belly of the beast. I'm not going to bore you with the details of the journey, but Anatar and the sun it orbits, Tekatar, are a long, long way away from home, and I think it will fully take just over two weeks for you to arrive at your destination. Is there anything you do very quickly in that time? Me! Yes? Uh, when it gets to like, wait, what's like the room situation? The whaler has a bridge and then it has a bedroom with rows of beds. It's very empire. So it's like communal eating, communal sleeping room. Okay. Uh, when it gets to like night, I'm going to find Corral. Okay. I'm not used to sleeping alone anymore. Can we like drag two of these together? Um... Yeah, sure. It's for her benefit, but also for Corel's benefit without outright saying. Yeah, I think Corel picks up on that. I guess we push the beds together and it's a bit noisy. And then I like drop the bottom of the bed and I'm like, holy fucking shit, where's Schlurp? Oh, um, I think I saw them. The two days I was out, did anyone follow up on Tali's idea and check them for bugs? We were a little distracted. <laughs> <laughs> oh gods Schlurp <laughs> I think they're probably in, like in the same bedroom but they're like not in a bed they're just kind of cold like sleeping against Bugsy oh in that case I walk over <laughs> <laughs> they're still asleep <laughs> tap tap uh, tap like uh, face in front of your face uh, five more minutes <laughs> yeah sure you can sleep while I do this can I switch you for bugs uh. Yes. Imagineering check. Imagineering check, please. Um, I'd be in the same room, so I'd, I'd give the help action if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I got a nat 20, and I have a plus 15. So. Wow. 35. So are there any bugs, Paige? Yes, are, any, are there any bugs? <laughs> Paige, tell us if there's any bugs. So, oh man, okay. Faraday, you do not find any bugs, but with a nat 20... You find down on Schlurp's thigh, under their metal skin, the beginning of a tunnel worming through their circuitry. Ah! Oh. Ah! Would I know what that means? Yeah, I think you do. With that roll, I would say you recognize that that trail is the sign of a data leech, a kind of weapon used against sites in order to hack their memories or control them from afar. I'm going to message, like, Junie all caps, being like, you might need to do damage control on this. And I'm also going to use sending to send a message to Tali. Okay. You were right about the bugs. We're out of town. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just giving you a heads up. What a shit show of a message <laughs> yeah they're not friends <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> <Tarly>. come on <laughs> oh my god so cool <laughs> is Tali gonna reply or just not digna it she's not gonna reply That's... I don't think she knows what to say she's like 
This is vaguely threatening. This is especially threatening like in a weird way. Six or seven hours after getting entered into a chat with Damini. <laughs> I don't think her and Damini have messaged each other at all in that time. I think it's only going to be when Lorraine's been gone for like three weeks. Have you heard? No. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, Junie can tell Rosemary they can do damage control. I'm sure it's oh fine. I'm sure Schlurp has seen nothing. Oh, my God. Someone knows your synth. Just over two weeks after departing New Analu, the whaler leaves subspace. You find yourselves soaring through darkness and glittering stars, squinting as your eyes readjust to not having that blank whiteness outside every window. Ahead of you, a planet hangs in dark relief against the scarlet churning disk of a small but fierce star. The planet is ringed by diamond-shaped gates, and all around you little pops of light herald other ships as they come and go, frenetically jumping in and out of the dark. Those of you who have skin, it prickles. There's something in the air here, an uncomfortable hum of energy it's like a cloth poked one too many times by a needle, and then it's been held up to the light. Something is leaking, shining through here, and it's enough to set your teeth on edge, even though Yorowal and Mawasek appear unconcerned. Mawasek stills for a moment, her eyes gone distant, and then she nods at Yorowal and pushes the ship onwards towards one of the planet's many shining gates. As you approach, you can see that they come in different sizes. Mawasek heads for the largest, a giant structure floating serenely over the planet's south pole. As the mouth of this gate looms, you enter the planet's shadow and at last resolve the world below you into a wind-blasted wasteland of sculpted mountains and long dry oceans. The gate engages and the world goes white once more. You emerge vertically, with the nose of the ship pointing down into a huge cylindrical spaceport whose walls bristle with thousands of mag cradles and docking stations. Everything is hard-edged, built to last, and illuminated by deep red lamps that almost make it feel like you're descending into a gigantic throat. And as Mawasek nudges the ship down into that throat, she turns her head towards the five of you and says, Welcome to Takol, Archdelve of the Apelton Empire. Woo! Polite applause. <laughs> it's like golf. It's like golf. Hey, it's Paige Dolby Evans, your game master, host, and resident dog person. I just wanted to say that the Junket podcast wouldn't be possible without the talents of the lovely people behind the characters. That's my wife Leonie as Dr. Faraday Zenith Lewis, Duncan as Corel, Elle as Captain Mitchell Crick, Shona as Schlurp, and Jess as Lorelei Widewanderer. Our show is powered by a modified version of Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. To learn about the custom rulings, mechanics, and aliens that make our game possible, you can visit our website, thejunketpodcast.com, or just ask us on Twitter at thejunketpod. Lastly, if you're both willing and able, you could support the show over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash thejunketpodcast. That's all from me. See you in a fortnight.